Welcome to the Quantum Biology Collective Podcast, where we break down the practical strategies of this emerging science, starting with healthy light habits and going wherever the quantum superhighway takes us. All right. In this episode, uh, we are going back to the basics with one of our favorite former guests, Sarah Pugh, PhD. Uh, and I've been getting feedback from people that they're just coming into understanding the light story and they're like, what's going on? Tell me more. How is it that light is so important to health? I had no idea. So we're going to do a quick recap with Sarah. She's going to give us the basics of why light matters so, so much. However much you think it matters, it matters more. And to people who don't think it matters at all, you're in for a huge, huge perspective shift. Um, and the good news is, is that once you start to get that light really matters, it changes everything else. It makes everything else that we're already doing, all the all the food that we work so hard to make sure is healthy and organic and all the movement and all the nervous system regulation and basically anything that we do for ourselves, for our bodies, for our relationships is improved by making sure that we have a healthy light environment and not a toxic light environment. Um, we've covered this topic a lot on this podcast. It's, I would say like the sort of foundational piece, starting with like healthy light habits. Um, but I really feel like we can't cover it enough until people think about light in the same way they think about eating healthy and drinking good quality water. Uh, we're not there yet. So we're going to keep hammering it. And it's just such a fascinating topic. I feel like every time I have someone explain it, um, it's like an, it's like coming at it in a whole new way because everyone has a slightly different take, a slightly different um, way of explaining things. They use different metaphors. They have different backgrounds. So they highlight different pieces of it. And it's just, to me, an infinitely fascinating topic. So we're going to go in with Sarah Pugh in just a sec, but I just wanted to remind everyone uh, about some of the other podcasts where we've covered this topic. If this sort of piques your interest and you want to circle back and listen to these or re-listen to them, um, I find I learn something new every single time I talk to anybody on this topic, even though I've been talking to people for years now, every time I'm like, oh, I didn't think about it that way. Oh yeah, that's right. So it's just, it's really fun to keep going back to. So a couple um, episodes to highlight of course, we have episode number 38 with Dr. Martin Moreed, uh, which I would say is like the pivotal episode to understand why artificial light at night is so detrimental and leads to such bad health outcomes, um, short-term and long-term. That one is really, really key. Uh, but then I like to balance it out with other guests talking about how light can make us feel better, not just the parts of it that are ruining our health. Uh, so episode 43, Dr. Stillman does a deep dive on why sunlight is so good for us. Uh, episode number 36, Carrie talks about uh, our light environment and why uh, fatigue is a huge red flag that we're not getting our light right and how to change that. Uh, and then we had a lovely episode with uh, Dr. Max Goulhain. Uh, that's episode number 32. And he also does like a nice overview of why light is so important to health. So check those out or listen to them again. We can never listen to them too much because society and daily habits and everything is pushing us away from healthy light habits. We're just not structured and set up really um, to live in 
relationship with the sun. So we, I find for myself and for everyone I talk to, we have to keep circling back to remember, um, remind ourselves why it's so important. So, okay, we're going to uh, dive in with Sarah Pugh. Sarah is fantastic. She started her career uh, like as a hardcore research scientist. She has degrees in biochemistry and genetics. She does. She has a PhD in molecular mechanisms and biophysics. Then she left that world. She became uh, a health coach, uh, a fitness instructor. She spent years and years working with people to help them feel better. And now she's combining those two um, areas uh, of expertise into um, her current health practice. She's at busysuperhuman.com and on all the major social media platforms at busy superhuman. And she's super fun and super, she, I love how she describes things. So here is Sarah on why light matters so, so much. Enjoy. Sarah Pugh, welcome back. I believe for the third time to the Quant uh, Quantum Biology Collective podcast. Thank you for being here. I'm excited for you to give us a primer on light. Thank you very much for having me, Meredith. It's kind of a very good time because I have been taking a deep dive into light um, because I sometimes find people get excited about it in the beginning and then they don't really understand when they need to go out, why it's so important and actually how much light we need. Yes. And I think because it's it's all around us all the time, it's like if you're a fish, you don't think about the water. We don't think about light and we haven't really been taught to think about it in the way that we think about food and exercise and, and supplements and getting the chemicals out and getting the plastic out. Uh, I know so many people who are very health conscious, uh, but you say, well, what about the light environment? And it's like, wait, what are you talking about? <laughs> what do you mean by light environment? What it, What even is that? So- so tell us, in your view, how important is light if we are talking about optimizing our health? It's absolutely vital because the biochemistry that goes on inside us is so dependent on the light we get from the outside. So whether it's in our eyes, on our skin, because we need to get the light information to the mitochondria and to other parts of the brain or the body so that all of the clocks in the body and the organs and everything know exactly what time they should be performing their processes. But maybe we'll start with what is light because the word quantum or quanta actually appears in that because the light is information, but it's coming in little quanta in little packets. But so much of it's coming. We we just think of it as this great big wave. And also, if you see pictures in books, when people talk about the electromagnetic spectrum, it kind of has waves like this because our biology and all of the other animals and creatures on the planet, uh, everything, our biology is geared to the wavelengths of the sun. And most people are familiar with the visible spectrum. So that would go from blue up to red. But then we've got the infrared and the ultraviolet that are invisible. And they're just as important, if not more important in some ways than the visible light. And if we think about how many possible signals could we get from light, there's something like 10 to the 36 uh, different possible colors in, in the spectrum. So that's like trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of bits of information that from light alone that we can get uh, onto our bodies. And as people know, our biochemistry is massively complicated, that every cell, I think it does 100,000 reactions per second. And now we know that there's so many choices of light. So it's like having a piano with a trillion keys or more, and then you can play this light piano. And then that's how all of these really intricate processes 
in our bodies happen. We've got the light coming from the outside, as I said, and it's going to massively influence what's going on on the inside. So, so from what's going on on the inside, I mean things like making neurotransmitters, hormones, um, burning energy, whether it's fat or glucose, are we inflamed or not? Is it time to go to the bathroom? Should we go to sleep? It's like everything you can possibly imagine. Somewhere along the line, um, a light signal happened to, to tell the body, oh, we should be doing that then. Then another way to look at it is, if we think about our body as just a series of lots of clocks, like um, the Russian dolls, that there's the massive clock at the top, our eye clock, uh, and that has to run faster than all the other clocks in the body. And then there's smaller clocks, say organ clocks, and they have to be in time. Then we've got cell clocks that tell the cell in just simple terms, should it live or die? And then we've even got little clocks um, on, our, on our genes. So it's like this series of a giant clock, which the sun's obviously the master clock, and then our bodies have got these series of clocks. And as we get more and more into the really, really small clocks, there's going to be trillions and millions of them. So we can sort of imagine it all like a really, uh, like an airport, a really sophisticated airport. And as we know, if something happens in the airport, like three airplanes don't arrive on time, it creates massive chaos in the airport. Um, because something was on wasn't on time anymore, so it messed up everything else. And the people in the airport would just call that chaos, whereas in biology we'd call that inflammation. And and it's that it's not just a, people might think, oh well, I haven't got any inflammation, or I don't, I'm only twenty five or thirty. But actually, the more in sync your body clocks are, um, the better your lifespan and your health span. And that right. that's how important it is. And, and you can't take any pills or supplements or anything to make your body clock better. Uh, and you can't take any supplements or anything like that to change the information that's the light around you. So it might be we might be talking about a screen or the, the sun or, or all sorts of things. We can't do anything about that it, it, by biochemistry because it's so fast. It's happened so quickly. So when it comes to wanting to optimize your health or get rid of problems that you've had for ages and have tried everything or you want to live longer or um, look, look amazing at 70 like me and Meredith, because obviously that's what we are. <laughs> um, or, you know, or if you just want to have a better chance of doing well in this environment, because as you know, we've got lots of problems we won't go into, but you can in lots of ways control your light environment or just be aware of it. Um, and maybe we want to go into what these different yeah. bits of spectrum do because we could start at UV or we could start and just sure. Go from, well, I just want I just want to recap for a minute because there was so much in there and it's so important what what you just said. So the light coming from the sun is coming down in little packets called quanta, and well, those yeah, photons, yes, and, and those and would be the biophotons yes, filled yes. with information, and our body needs that information in order to run properly, and not just sleep wake cycles, but mood, digestion, energy levels, elimination processes, and everything our body does is controlled by light. Is what you're saying? 
Yeah, because if we think about it, our brain's stuck in a cave and so our mitochondria are buried deep in our body. So how do they know what's going on on the outside? And without a brain and without mitochondria that work properly, well, we're a bit stuffed. So it's this idea that what goes on on the inside is all programmed and controlled from what goes on on the outside. And all we've got there, like you completely correctly said, was all of this light with this information that travels from our surfaces gets propagated through the body, is the non-linear optics to pass the message to all of these, the big important thing in our, our head that's in a cave. And then our little important things, our mitochondria, sort of like our microprocessors, um, which run on light. And I think some people say that the um, the light that you get from from your from your surroundings should match the light information from the food that you put into your mouth because the mitochondria are expecting certain kinds of lights at particular time. And so are other things in the bodies. I know you've covered blue light at night, but if we suddenly go to the mall or the supermarket at 10 p.m., everything in the body has a horrific shock because it all thinks, oh, we're all ready to go to bed now. And all of a sudden it's like super bright light. So you can imagine how chaotic that would cause chaos for the gut chaos for the mitochondria so yeah absolutely that this information from the outside um we, we want it to be in sync with what the sun's doing as much as possible well it's kind of more than that it's like um i would say it's non-negotiable nowadays right because we you know to move on to the to the next way that you explained it which was so good is we're we're filled with clocks um so every you know, I mean, not exactly, but pretty much every cell in our body has a clock. And then there's the master clock. So you were sort of talking about like this cascade of clocks and those clocks are all set by the sun. And if they're all um, out of sync with each other, that's causing chaos in the body, which is causing inflammation, which leads to every to bad health outcomes across the board. Yes. And also it's all controlled by the master clock in the eye. So if that one's wrong, then all the others are going to be wrong because the little clocks are dependent on the big clock and, and all of the clocks are dependent on DHA as well. And um, things and things like retinol that um, blue light and non-native non EMFs can destroy, particularly blue light. That's worse because that can sort of damage the clock um, mechanism in your eye. And that's where all the DHA is as well. So it, it has to be like this because the clock in the eye has to run a little bit faster than all of the other clocks in the body. Otherwise, you know, it's a bit like a GPS um, in, in an iPhone that the satellite above the planet runs something like 30 or 35 milliseconds faster. And then that and, and if that didn't happen, we, we would be like 200 or 300 kilometers or, or miles out if we were trying to use a GPS. So our, our clock is the same, that the big clock in the eye, that the one that if we forget to see the sunrise in the morning doesn't get the message about it being sunrise with the big clock can't tell all the little clocks. And then the little clocks can't tell the clocks on the DNA what to do. So it creates a big mess. Right. Okay. So the master clock in the eye is set by the light coming from the sun. Yes. And so if we interrupt that and mess around with it, then all, all the cascade of clocks is thrown into chaos. So we must get be outside in the morning to set that clock. Yes, definitely. That master clock. 
Yes. And like I said, the more in sync and more in time the clocks are, the better your lifespan and the better your health span. And then it limits sort of so many possible conditions that are related to bad timing in cells, which could be, we, we could basically pin pretty much every disease or condition. I mean, cancer is a really good example of bad, bad timing in, in the cells, but so is obesity, because if the clocks in the body are all wrong, um, when, when the body's trying to use electrons from food, the information of how to do that depends on how in sync our clocks are. So if the big clock, the medium clocks, the little baby clocks, the um, clocks in the DNA are all off and it, it affects how we process electrons from food. So it's some it's like you've said at the beginning, it's not about food. It's sometimes about the person or the machines that the food's going into. So it's kind of fundamental for just basic metabolic processes. And for probably 25 years now, there are papers about bad circadian rhythm and insulin resistance and obesity and all kinds of sort of fuel related problems and then lots of other things are relating to not be able to burn fuel properly for example chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia that that's a sort of fuel problem uh, and then we can think about maybe sort of something more serious like um, type 3 diabetes in the brain which is things like alzheimer's and related neurodegeneration so these are all fuel problems so like i was saying if, if the clocks are all over the place um in the body it, it does influence how we process electrons from food just to keep it simple and the mitochondria pr process these electrons from the food and they need to basically know what time it is right and this is why as so many of us are experiencing and i've personally experienced myself you can focus on getting your food really really good really really optimized uh and it's still not moving the needle and what you're saying is because without that the light piece, it can't sort of the circuit that the food is a part of can't complete itself. Yeah, yeah, basically, I think it's just saying that um, that that's sort of one way to look at it, that in very simple terms, if you've got bad clocks, you're going to have a bad metabolism. But then there are we could kind of go deeper into it as well. That, um, for example, back to food again, if people were hungry all the time, even though they were eating enough, I mean, leptin might be a bit too much for, for today, but we can just think about appetite. So we 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 we'll pretend we saw the sunrise. We did everything right there and we set the body clock, but that's not enough because now we need to go out in the UVA light. So that's the invisible light. And it does lots of things. And one thing it makes is something called alpha MSH, which not only makes melanin, it also suppresses your appetite because that's sort of maybe 90 minutes after breakfast. So why would I want to be hungry then? Because I should be waiting until, um, you know, lunchtime. So if you go out in the UVA, then that's a completely natural signal from the sun to say you, you shouldn't be hungry at the moment because it's still sort of early morning. And just and, and another important thing that happens in the UV light at that time is it makes serotonin and that does lots of things in the body. And then we have dopamine, which is really important for our overall energy status, our mood, our motivation. And then we have a variety of other things like endocannabinoids, um, thyroid that we can make. So this is why the UVA part is now really important, because the other thing the UVA light does, if we think that everything got turned on, the machine, the human machine 
got turned on by the sunrise, the central retinal pathway, everything's zooming along. And we don't want it to be like that all day because we just don't, we don't, we don't have all of our appliances on all day. So when we go out in the UVA, that UVA light also switches off hormones that we don't need to be on because they've done their job and we don't want hormones on all day because then we just can run run out of them basically or flatline with them so the uva sort of controls switching off the hormones that you turned on in the morning and then um again for, for clock setting we we go out around nine o'clock or whatever maybe an hour or half an hour in the uv rise and like i said it's appetite suppressing uh, so then, so we've done the morning routine now, and for example, uh, maybe using an example for this now would be quite good um, to explain to people how the food actually isn't always the problem, and explain talking about sunrise. So, so about I think seven yeah. or eight years ago. Um, I did have blue blockers and things, and I didn't know about the blue blocking, but I didn't really know about the sunrise because I hadn't discovered Jack Cruz then. And I'm a very sort of I'm very curious about sort of anything from ways of eating or diets or anything. So I decided to try um, a zero carb diet. So this is ages ago when keto people didn't and anybody who did keto then was just a complete crackpot. So what happened was I didn't know anything about the morning routine. So I used to grow lots of plants inside, all sorts of things that needed special light that wasn't the sun. So I thought, why not? I'll do. I'll get up in the morning. I'll, I'll get my plant lights out and I'll sit under it and I'll do all of my admin and go on my phone. And, and I did, and I knew about grounding then, but I didn't take it seriously because I didn't understand the photoelectric effect. So anyway, what happened was with this diet that was meant to be sort of bikini bodybuilding, it did the complete opposite because I, I, I didn't I wasn't in the sunrise. I was sitting for about an hour under these lights thinking I was so clever getting morning light on my phone. Um, I, and they didn't have any red filters then. So I, it was all blue light straight in my face. Um, so then fr from this um, uh, so-called, I thought I was thinking at the time then, well, if low carb works, maybe zero carb will be even better. So what <laughs> happened was it was even worse. So I just ended up first of all getting like massive anxiety. So obviously, of course, I blamed the diet. And, and then also I gained seven pounds, even though I'd um, in my little brain, I was thinking, oh, it's going to be brilliant. You know, I'll cut out all the carbs. And I did it religiously for about three weeks because I, I back then I didn't know anything about the sunrises and and now I can completely see why right. all of this happened and you know I would never make a post to say oh I did zero carb and I gained seven pounds when I should have lost seven so you know that's just an example from my own personal experience so I don't tell right. many people that story because thankfully it was ages ago right. and it is quite embarrassing as well right. how, how but that's oh but that's so helpful Sarah because we that's what we're all doing. I mean that <laughs> I was doing, you know, a similar thing you can't for worse. chronic fatigue, right? We all do that. It's like, oh, I'll do the food harder and harder and more and better. Um, but yeah, if we don't understand about the light, it just so it completely flipped because it was throwing off all of your clocks and doing all of the things. Oh yeah, yeah. By okay. going under all that artificial light first thing in the morning, even though you ate not a single carb for three weeks you still yeah. ended up gaining weight yeah, and I was and I wasn't That's... you know overeating but then 
you know, sometimes also with that, I don't think anybody could possibly do anything worse because I had my phone blasting on me. I wasn't grounded. I had the blue light in my face and I had <laughs> these massive lights like it's not nobody can possibly have anything worse ever. So and that, you inadvertently did a really important experiment that we can all learn from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I've never told anybody about this because it's like, you know, when people now, if I had, that's why even with clients, no matter how, um, I don't want to say wrong, how different or non-circadian they do, I always think back to remember the time you sat under all those lights with your phone doing your <laughs> zero carb you know, and then you blamed the, the, the way of eating, made it more strict, exercised more, savaged everybody because you were like headquarters all everywhere and you told them oh I'm going to wear this bikini and they were like oh it's like this is not happening it's going the opposite way and you know so you know there isn't nobody can possibly do anything worse than I probably oh actually you could probably I could have made it worse I could have done all of that before I went to bed yeah but other than that um that is the worst possible sunrise in on the whole planet. I don't think I've ever seen it. Like I would have been better off sleeping in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's. I mean, it's just so informative. And thank, thank you for sharing that story because I know we can all relate to it. Like we've, we've all been in some situation, right, where we're we're just like struggling to figure out. Like we're doing all the things and it's not working. And if we don't understand about the light piece, it's like, you, you know, it's like trying to push a boulder up a hill. Um, and then you, you, once you get that information, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> no wonder, no wonder oh. I was, I was sleeping 10 hours a night and waking up exhausted or not eating carbs and still gaining weight or whatever it is. There's that missing piece. Um, yes, because definitely. so what you were, what you're saying about the different wavelengths of light is then it's like, what I'm hearing is like that the frequency, um, and of the sun changes throughout the day, i.e. the information that we're absorbing changes throughout the day. So it's like programming our bodies on all to, to do what they're meant to be doing at every phase. And so yes. if we stay inside all day and we don't get that information, then we're going to get stuck in certain modes as opposed yeah, to moving through the cycles, the hormonal cycles and all the other cycles we're meant to move through throughout the day. Oh yeah, definitely. Cause the hormones, the sex hormones are very tied to the sun, but also the moon because the moon makes near infrared 24 seven. And so and there's, there's near infrared light. Well, the moon doesn't make it. It's like reflected off the sun, but also there's near infrared light all the time outside and that kind of stays constant so no matter how cloudy the day is it's always better out there than inside so i'll come back to the near infrared just to finish off because it's we, we've talked a bit about the uv i've mentioned we've talked about visible light because we know about that anyway and then the near infrared with that sort of at the other end of the spectrum so we can close with that um so okay. yes the definitely the the information from the 
also when it comes to all of this, this is really new biology, because if we just move away from information coming out to what goes on in terms of light in our own bodies. So it's been proven ages ago that cells and things produce light. I mean, if sometimes if you stress a cell like doing cold thermogenesis, it, it'll make more UV light inside you. So it's sort of like your sun. So it's not bad to do cold thermogenesis at all. It just um, does lots of things. And just for the sake of today, it also makes ultraviolet light inside. So it, you make your own sun. And then bones um, are actually a red, uh, like a, an LED, because bones are um, a diode, uh, not just a lump of white thing that we sometimes break. And then we have to put a big plaster on it. It can actually, it, it's a semiconductor and it emits light as well. Uh, and then there are all sorts of other things that go on in the body, all dependent on light. In fact, I shouldn't just, I shouldn't have said that. I should have said everything in the body in some way is part of this sort of light orchestra. And we're only just starting to understand it now. Even though people like Robert O. Becker have pointed this out a long time ago, it's something that looking through a quantum lens, you can look at the biochemistry of everything, like say leptin, which is just a light activated hormone in your fat that gives a message to your brain about how much energy you've got on board, but it does it all through um, light signaling. But we can sort of pretend it does it biochemically as well. That's the thing. There's always two lenses. So, so really in sort of like 20 or 30 or maybe shorter years, we'll have a much better understanding of all these processes because we know they all happen. It's just about, um, getting them out there or actually studying and proving them. And obviously certain pathways have been studied a lot more than others because people are really interested in leptin because it controls pretty much like, I don't know, three quarters or maybe even more of all the other hormones. So it's an imp something important and that everything to do with leptins to do with light. Um, right. And, and then and there's so what we're moving out of the age of biochemistry where that yes. was the primary way we understood the body. And we're moving now into the quantum realm to the quantum yes. biologic realm, which is the true root cause of all that biochemistry. And we're at, in the early, early stages of understanding that. That's yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. So there's other things that we know, just to keep it simple for people and relevant. So yeah, you're right that with everything, that, that's the whole problem with life, we can have all these lenses to look through things and the lens is nearly right, but not quite. So then we create sort of dogmas and it, the biochemistry dogma because we're only looking at it through a biochemistry lens. So it's nobody's fault, because what if you didn't know anything other than biochemistry? But fortunately, I know about quantum uh, mechanics as well. I've, I can see, oh, OK, well, this is the biochemical pathway, but it doesn't actually work like that, although it looks like it does biochemically. And, and then when you add all of the light side into it, then it's like, um, I wouldn't say a whole different story, but... A, a a a very different a different story um to compare to just looking at it biochemically because there are so many roadblocks and things in biochemistry that we've studied for 20 or 30 years and still have got nowhere because we're just looking at the biology or the biochemistry but as soon as you flip it round and look what's happening to do with what's the light doing here or, and what are the electrons and the water doing then all of a sudden you think oh yeah no that's how it works um, right. so it's like a new age of, you know, I, I don't deny for one minute we are extremely sophisticated at molecular biology and genetic alterations. And even when I used to do that in the lab, we like 
I'm just trying to think how long ago, it was about like 15 years or more, we had, we thought we were really clever. Um, but there comes a point where not not much has moved in certain parts of biochemistry or biology. We're still stuck on the same problems and looking at genes and things like that. So as soon as light gets more embraced, for example, cancer, um, Scott Zimmerman, who's a wonderful man who's taught me a lot about near-infrared, he uh, wants to fund research on looking at the effect of light on cancer in children because his granddaughter's got retinoblastoma and he's um, a top optics person um, in the um, in the world probably. So there are people on the case um, wanting to collect money to fund their own research because if he tried to apply to a funding body, oh, I've got this idea about how light can control cancer, they'd be, well, we're not giving you any money because it's that's a ridiculous idea. How could it possibly be yeah. that? It's it's not that. It's um the gen it's genetic or you know it's a toxin or it's a virus. And he it, so, so that's the other problem that you sometimes you need to have your own money to fund these kind of projects. Same as Dr. Pollock um could do with some more funding and we do need more work from him on water. But then again, it's not a sexy um, subject, even though it's the, probably the most important research we could even do at the moment. So it's also the problem is where funding goes, because it can sound so preposterous that light and water is what makes us go around, that the people who fund scientific research haven't heard any of this. So they'll just laugh their heads off and deny the yes. grant. So that's one of the yes. reasons why um, some of like the information's all there. It's just it's gradually feeding it to people with scientific research, like on mitochondria and things that we've got loads of to sh show um, how important um, light is. And also just for people, if, if you've tried everything and you've not tried the light um, way, it, it's sort of another string to your bow. Um, and then, like I was saying with my example about the food and the the, that's just an example of what happened by not seeing a sunrise and doing the worst possible thing. There's so many other things I could say. And I think maybe just to finish off talking about the near infrared, because we can all get near infrared. We just have to go outside. And some people might have a panel, which again is only one or two wavelengths out of the whole spectrum. So the reason I love near infrared so much, just still on the food subject, just to right. keep it, um, and just just for the audience, uh, infrared is light that we get from the sun. We get it all day long, whenever the sun is out, every season, all the time. And we evolved under infrared when we were yes. all outside all day and wearing a little bit of animal skin and nothing else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I was so going, we're, yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, we were just wearing. Yeah. So with the near infrared, because if if 43% of the sun's that, it must be important and the the other thing I love about near infrared is it can get into your body and it can go through clothes. So you don't need to be naked in the animal skin uh, and it goes into the body. And then our water battery is basically just a big sort of red light water battery as well. So it can assist there to build our water battery, but also it can make the ATPase and the mitochondria spin um, without food electrons. So, so I think that's really helpful because, again, it's just an example of um, if you go outside more and say if you miss the UV or there isn't any like there is at the moment in the UK because it's too cloudy, there's still another interesting wavelength of light 
that that can help your mitochondria or help um your metabolism so it doesn't just do that it's not just something that makes you um need less food it, it, the the near infrared goes really really deep in the body and it, the mitochondria love it because it benefits them and it makes them make more melatonin in the day for themselves to repair and then this near infrared concentrates in things like the cerebral spinal fluid um all sorts of things so we, we've got access to this really healing um light outside and then i just want to say the reason why being inside a problem is because most light bulbs artificial ones have taken away the uva and the near infrared so all you've got left is the the visible light so that's where i was going with this podcast is we've got the uva which is really important and does something and then we've got the near infrared this has been taken away and we have a light bulb now that's just the visible and that's the a uh, big massive problem of sitting inside if you don't know about all the, this so yes of course you could open a window yes of course you could buy the right bulbs but it's like me and the sitting inside on the phone under my giant light and I just didn't know some people just di didn't know that their light bulb they've taken away the two very useful biological um, helpful frequencies right so it's like you have a, a piece of fruit and you just pulled the sugar out of it and just ate the yes. sugar. It's not the same thing as eating the whole apple. And yeah, that's what, give that's what our light bulbs are <laughs> and our screens. Yeah, yeah. It's just the, just the one wavelength, which what you're saying is when that's not balanced out yes. um, by the other wavelengths that we would find in nature, it becomes, yes. it becomes toxic. Yes. Well, I wouldn't. Yeah. The thing is with blue light toxicity, um, you can be in a room with just glass and still have too much blue light because the glass stopped the near infrared because near infrared and red tend to balance blue and it stopped the UVA coming in. So you don't even need a screen on or a bulb. I was just saying that with bulbs, people just maybe didn't know that it's missing yeah. some frequencies. But then if the window's shut, the glass can create a sort of blue light environment for you because two really important pieces of the spectrum have gone. So obviously it's much worse to sit under an LED or a plant light or, or have a screen on, but sometimes people just didn't know sitting with a, right. with a window shut or sitting in the car with a window shut, that would yeah. make a, a, and um, it, a and it helps to, to open the window, like even a little bit. Yes. Like you don't yes. have to have the window wide open. Like where I am now, it's February in, in the Northeast of the United States. So I have the window open like about three inches. <laughs> Otherwise yeah, we'd all freeze, but that's helping. Yeah. Oh yeah, massively. Because um, when we were talking at the beginning, I was saying with light, it's lots and lots of little packets, like trillions of bullets coming, even though it looks like a big roof like that. And light has got wave and particle duality. So it can um, get th get through even a really small crack. And then obviously it can reflect uh, around in what wherever it's ended up, you know, it, some of it bounces off things. So yeah, just opening the window is, you know, is, is brilliant. I mean, you're not grounded. Because again, just talking about what light does that it, it, it excites electrons in the body. So the electrons do lots do lots of things in our body and we can't live without them well we won't go into them now but they don't work properly if you haven't charged them up with information from the sun 
uh, more light because they can collect information from anywhere. And I think I was saying to you earlier that every single electron is identical uh, until it's seen light and then they all become individuals. So it does come back to the idea of the sun being a giant piano of 10 to the 36 keys or trillions. And then we've got these trillions of electrons that can get all of this um, fine information from the sun. And then the electrons can go around the body and um, I would say drop back down to it to a lower energy level and give off um, their information and their light. So so in simple terms, that, that's sort of how how um, complicate how something really simple can get so complicated because there yeah. are so many electrons like in like massive amounts and then there's so many possible keys on the giant piano from the sun and then if we take it's a away... really beautiful yes. metaphor though and like when you really internalize this these concepts it just it's i mean it's fascinating and awe-inspiring how how human how our biology really works like we go outside and this this symphony is taking place between the cells in our bodies and the biophotons of the sun. And for me, I just starting when I started to understand this, it just it brought me such peace of mind because I could just walk outside and be like, oh, I'm doing like this is so good for me. And all I had to do was step outside. Yeah, I completely agree with you because all of my goals nowadays revolve around um, making my morning routine longer or make sure you go for a walk at this time or ground more or um, in, in the evening, make sure you have a walk again at sun sunset. Um, because, you know, what, what, because I've done all that, I haven't, with food and all the other things I used to do weird things with years ago, it, it seems to be a different, it happened to somebody else. And then lots of, now, as you say, that, that the most lovely thing about this, as you say, if I've got absolutely no idea what I'm supposed to do about something, I can just go outside <laughs> and, and make it all better. I know British people will say, I'll oh, just have a cup of tea um, <laughs> and everything will be better. But definitely, as you said, it's, we've got this wonderful resource outside that's free um that we can access and there's so many wonderful things that it does because we've only touched on a little bit of like the light orchestra or the light story as dr cruz would say there's so much more i just wanted to make it like a way that to show yes. people they've got something available out there but they still have to put the time in that you've got to get up i always get up a bit before the sunrise because there's daybreak so there's a whole Th interesting things that happen then and then we've got the sunrise like I said if you mess that up like I did horrible things happen and then we've got the UVA and then we've got other parts of the day and then the sunset but it, but it doesn't mean you must go out at those particular times for at least as much for the minimum time possible and expect results you, you want to like you said embrace it and really look forward to going outside and miss it if you can't because we are sort of primed also to get addicted um, to the sun because of, of what it can make in our bodies. And that's completely normal because if we just stayed inside, you know, horrible things would happen as well, which yeah. they do. There's, there's a um, there's a really lovely lady I know who owns a sunbed salon in Leeds and it's got like the most insane sunbeds. I won't even go into all the bulbs in it, but it's really sad. I think it was her brother who was a, um, a he, had, he, he was had undiagnosed mental health things and he was a massive recluse and he wouldn't go outside 
um, ever. For, I don't think he went out for 30 years. And sadly, he passed away. Actually, she was telling me about a month ago from um, heart disease. And because she obviously knows about light, not, not to the extent I do. And she just said, I've just tr I tried so much. I tried so hard. If, if he'd have just gone outside, this wouldn't have happened. So, you know, there are people who don't understand this on the level we do, that something has happened to them in their life. And even she can say, like I was saying to you, I just wish I could have got him to just sit in his garden because I think he had like extreme social anxiety and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And to pass away, she said, oh, he, he ate health, health, you know, healthily for somebody who doesn't know the intricacies of nutrition, but he didn't eat sort of rubbish either. And he wasn't obese or anything or overweight. And she just said he just had his heart, just something happened. And that was the end of that. And he was 50. Wow. Yeah, it's it's amazing if we just sit outside in the garden or for, for the UK, our UK friends, you have your cup of tea outside. <laughs> Yes. Still have your tea. Um, yeah. Okay. So I just want to do a quick recap and then we'll wrap up. Um, just the idea that we are programmed by light. We need to be outside. We need to, to mitigate artificial light as much as possible in, especially in the evenings. Um, we don't need to live outside, but you know, I've gotten the habit now every time I finish a call or or a or a piece of work, I just open the door and walk outside. Sometimes it's 30 seconds, sometimes it's a few minutes, just periodically throughout the day. And the the benefits of this are that we're um maintaining every um process in our body. And the detriment of ignoring our light environment is there are short-term things, we gain weight, we lose our energy, we mess up our sleep, we mess up our moods, but then the longer term that you, things you mentioned, like cancer and diabetes, there's, there's conclusive evidence that messing with our light environment leads to those. So what are your sort of final parting words for us? And thank you for just hopping back and covering the basics with us, because it's so important to, to revisit these. I think you covered it that if in doubt, go outside um, and it doesn't matter if it's cloudy or rainy, you just get a different different bonus points and don't do what I did and mess up the sunrise because, uh, you know, horrible things will happen. And, and even if you're just starting with this, just starting doing the sunrise, because as we were saying, just setting the big clock. And then all the little clocks can start to work properly. It's a bit like what's it, the um, Lost Boys film and killing the chief vampire. All of the other vampires went. If you make <laughs> the big clock, the chief clock behave, the, the other clocks underneath are going to behave as well. But you can't take supplements or anything to make the little clocks behave uh, if the big clock right. is out of time. That's a great point. There's no way, there's no other way around this. It, we just have to put our bodies in yes. in a natural light environment and put physical barriers or turn off the bad lights. Yes, and, and like I was yeah. saying about the giant piano with the 30, 10 to 36 giant keys, that means you can't make a sun and buy one and bring it in your house and expect it to be exactly the same as what's out there. So you do need to really look into lighting carefully and not believe, oh, this is a, a wake up morning um, sort of lamp for you. It's just like sunrise. It's like, no, it's wildly different. Sunrise is yeah. this beautiful balance of red and blue, just perfect. 
to switch on our biology that's evolved in the sun and, and that you can't make anything that, that, that can substitute because also, you'd like I said, the sun's different all over the globe at the moment. So not to be fooled by lights that tell you that they're an indoor sun or anything like that. Um, just to finish there, that we can't yes. beat the sun's. Maybe it's conscious, like Rupert Sheldrake says, who knows, but whatever it is, it's where it's much cleverer than we are and it knows better and it has rules and when we obey them and if we don't then woe be toe to us <laughs> <laughs> yes it's true and we do I have had people on here who have lights and light bulbs but I I will only agree to interview them if they acknowledge the sun comes first and the light bulbs are a backup when oh no you know, I haven't got a problem in with situations because yes. yes and but i think it's such an important point cuz so often i people ask me about this and i say well you know seasonal affective disorder or this or that i'm like what should i do i say go outside oh well what can i buy <laughs> you can't there's i think it's a great place to end there's nothing to buy that will replace the sun no exactly and also i haven't got anything against lights and bulbs but as i've tried to explain the sun's got all of these complicated wavelengths and certain fancy lights have only got one or two and we don't like I said we don't know exactly what happens we even though we think we know all about red light we don't so what about green light we don't know much about that and you know we don't know about amber light or cyan light or pink light so I think it's one of these really exciting fields that's in progress um scientifically uh, and exactly as you said the sun comes first and you can't buy one and put it in your house right well, Sarah, thank you so much. I look forward uh, to having you back on to dive deeper into this. And I know it may have seemed seemed complex if you're new to it, but that was quite a high level overview. And there's so many intricacies to this. Oh, and Sarah, you have a course if people want to go deeper. Light 101? Um, yes, I've got a quantum foundations um, course and it's actually on offer because I make, I'm in the middle of making a new um, deeper quantum course. So it's a brilliant place to get started. And, and it comes with some sort of free PDFs as well, because, you know, no matter what, there's always more for me to learn. And, and then I forget where I am. And I think, oh, that course is like so remedial that for somebody who's brand new. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> that's where I was. Yes. <laughs> Well, Sarah, you're you are so gifted um, and brilliant at going deep down into these rabbit holes. But yes, please keep please keep your earlier work available for those of us who are uh, who just want a, a higher overview because it's uh, really super helpful. So I will put I'll put the link to to that in the show notes um, and your website. Just in case people don't make it to the show notes, is. It's, um busysuperhuman.com um Busy so I, 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 I've yeah. got sort of plenty of social media with links out and people will see it because I'll make a, a discount code as well for people um so that they can get some sort of bonus off off it as well but it's quite easy to find and um oh, super yes yeah and I do recommend this follow Sarah uh she's on all the all the big social platforms but especially Instagram at busy superhuman and I've had people reaching out to me recently, just like normal people who've caught an episode of the podcast and they're like, wait, what? Where do I go to learn more? And I wish there was just a book or something I could send them. But right now there's uh, this podcast, your podcast, you want to go deep. And I do recommend your course, right? So if you're listening to this and you're like, I want to understand this a bit better uh, so I can 
do it with my friends and family, I do, I do really recommend Sarah's course. I, um, I also have maybe a in a few too. years, there'll be lots of New York times bestsellers on this topic but right now. It's <laughs> just us talking on the internet. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I think I do have a membership group as well where people can interact with me and it's very affordable as well. Um, oh, great. Yes, it's um, people can find the link for there. So it's we have live Zooms and an open forum. And because some people like to read about things in their own time and watch yeah. podcasts, but really people should come and ask questions and, and do it with me because they'll always like me and my terrible sunrise. You know, if I'd have just told somebody like, maybe even Jack at that time that he could have said, Oh, that's all completely wrong. You don't, yeah. you know, sometimes you just need to I know. Um, ask somebody something or. Yes. And that's true. Once you start getting into this, you just want to talk about it with somebody you want to, you have all these questions come up you, and you want to talk to someone who also understands. So, the, so a community or membership would be great. And yeah, I did. I tell this story all the time, but I did the opposite. I was screwing. I was reading my iPad before bed. <laughs> <laughs> wondering why my chronic fatigue had resurfaced <laughs> why I was why I was so exhausted all the time oh now actually I, um, now I'm I know saying, yeah that's kind of interesting because you know you'll have to come on my podcast and tell your story but then when I worked as a scientist sometimes I used to stay in the lab until 1 or 2 a.m yes so but then wonder why I had symptoms like bipolar <laughs> <laughs> I know and it's interesting right and you get your light environment right. And it's this, the symptoms aren't there. Yeah. I did this. I used to work in the media and we would, we would be in editing suites until like one o'clock in the morning. I did that like once a week for years. <laughs> well, I think sitting with like giants in a dark room of, with giant screens for like five hours. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. But I think what what's kind of come out of this is really interesting. We both did horrible things to our um, bodies using light and we both had two completely different outcomes and symptoms that you went one way and I went like manic and went the other yes that's why it's all about it, it you know of course genetics is a, is a part of it but I think depending on if we bathe in bad light a, a different disease or condition comes out depending on our genetics and we blame our genetics whereas actually it was the bad light so I think that was a really right. good thing to end on because we probably did do pretty much all the same horrible things with light and then two different outcomes that's true I crashed yeah. and you went manic <laughs> yeah. was the same trigger <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, definitely, definitely. Yet, what happened to all of you? Let us know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yes, because we I do put these on YouTube, and so if you have a if you have a story to share about that about this, I'd love to hear it in the comments. All right, so fun. I know you have to run to a client, Sarah. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll have you back soon. Lovely. There's always a pleasure to talk to you, Meredith, always. This has been the Quantum Biology Collective Podcast. To find a practitioner who practices from this point of view, visit our directory at quantumbiologycollective.org. If you are a practitioner, definitely take a look at the Applied Quantum Biology Certification, a six-week study of the science of the new human health paradigm and its practical application with your patients and clients. We also love to feature graduates of the program on this very podcast. Until next time, the QBC.